0: restaurant unstoppable episode 362 well i I think you you really have to be passionate
1: about what you're doing i don't think anyone uh can maximize their potential uh unless they're passionate about uh, the, the work that they're getting up to do every day and that's what we try and set with our team is uh create an environment and a mission that they're excited and they're not looking to hit the snooze button uh, when, they're, when, they're, uh, when, it's, when the alarm's going off on Monday mornings.
0: Are you ready for it? it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and in today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become Unstoppable. Yo, guys, what if I told you I found a menu that's made from paper that's waterproof and rip proof? This thing is basically dirty proof. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, get me some of that. Uh, I hate cleaning menus, but you can have this menu. It's called Terra Slate Menus, guys. You'll get 15% off if you use promotional code unstoppable at checkout. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to terraslatepaper.com. Hey, guys, would you like to know the exact marketing strategy a restaurant owner used to generate over $36,000 in sales from just $400 in Facebook ads? Would you like to know how a bar owner doubled her Tuesday night business in just four weeks for just $50 a week? Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy of the industry's number one selling marketing and promotion book bar and Restaurant success. This book reveals the step-by-step marketing plan that created these results so you can apply them in your own business. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Brett Schulman. Brett, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today?
1: Eric, thanks for having me. I'm feeling unstoppable. We just opened our 34th uh, restaurant yesterday in Reston, Virginia. And on Sunday, we were honored by receiving uh, Restaurant Tours of the Year and uh, Fast Bites of the Year by the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington. So, huge honor for our team and feeling unstoppable this week.
0: You've got to be unstoppable to pull off things like that. I can't wait to dive into your story. And before we uh, give the listeners an idea of who you are and what you got going on, special shout-out to Chris Schultz from Mod Pizza. Chris, thank you for setting this up. If uh, you're anything as awesome as Chris was like, this is going to be a great interview. I I can't wait to dive in, but uh, Brett Shulman graduated from the university of Maryland college park in 1995. He would go on to pursue a career in finance as an equity trader. After losing his passion for finance, Brett changed paths to help his wife run Snickety Snacks, a natural snack food company as their COO. Brett found a new passion, changing the way people think about eating, the way they are eating, and their accessibility to fresh food. Not too long after, he discovered the full-service restaurant, Kava Meze. Fast forward almost a decade later, and Brett serves as their CEO uh, of Kava, which includes not only the full-service Kava Meze, but also their rapidly growing fast format version of Kava Meze and the line of consumer packaged goods. Man, you got a lot going on. I I can't wait to find out exactly how you got to this point and uh, what you've learned that you're going to share with us today. Uh, But first, Brett, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Yeah. It's something I preach to the team all the time. It's pretty straightforward
1: and simple. If it was that easy, everyone would be doing it.
0: If it was uh, I, I speak that. Easy, yeah. If it was I that easy,
1: it. everyone would be doing it. I tell them that whenever they're facing a challenge that, uh, you know, great businesses, uh, transformational businesses aren't built without a lot of challenges and, and it's just not something that's so easy. Uh, otherwise everyone would be doing it.
0: Yeah. And it's so true. And like, it's, it's not easy being an awesome, but the rewards are so <laughs> worth it, man. And uh, I can't wait to dive in further about what makes you you. So uh, I guess give the listeners a little bit more of an introduction. I kind of gave them the, the, the aerial view, but tell us more about who you are in the role you play at Kava.
1: So as you mentioned, I'm the chief executive of Kava. And at Kava, our mission is to fuel full lives through a bold food culture. And this culture is rooted in the heritage and culinary of my partners, Ted Christos Ike Grigoropoulos, and our chef partner, Dimitri Moshevides. And we bring this culture to life through our 34 uh, Kava restaurants, as well as uh, products that we produce and sell in uh, a few hundred Whole Foods across the country.
0: Awesome. Uh, Okay, so that was a very precise description of what you do and i love it when we're precise because now we can like dive into how you got here uh so you man you started off in finance you loved it at first but then it got automated i guess take it from there and like what was going through your mind and why it was time for you to make a change
1: yeah you know it, it uh i i was uh feeling like it was time to make the donuts every day back in my finance <laughs> career. And, you know, uh, it was, uh, my, my wife said to me one night at, at six o'clock on a Sunday, she said, you know, I, I, I really, I really, uh, don't like this time of day on a Sunday. I said, "Why?" Well, I said, because you, you, you get in a bad mood. Cause you know, you have to get up for work tomorrow. And, and that's when I knew. It was time to change uh, what I was doing and that I, I really wasn't passionate about what I was doing. I was feeling very unfulfilled, uh, and and what I was accomplishing or what was I really contributing or creating uh, and knew it was time for a change.
0: Awesome. And um, actually, I read an article, an awesome article, that uh, kind of profiles your career. And the, t- the title of that article was Three Tips for Switching Careers from a Guy Who Left Finance for Food. Do you remember those three tips? Because I have them right here in case you, you don't remember.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think hey, you, you really have to be passionate about what you're doing. I don't think anyone... Uh, can maximize their potential uh, unless they're passionate about uh, the the work that they're getting up to do every day. And that's what we try and set with our team is uh, create an environment and a mission that they're excited and they're not looking to hit the snooze button uh, when they're, when they're, uh, when it's, when the alarm's going off on Monday mornings.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going to ramble off those three things. Cause I think, I feel like they're worth hearing and it's something, you know, it, uh, like it's just worth hearing. So th- those three tips, the first one is if you're unhappy at your current job, fix the problem, mm-hmm. problem, move on. The, the second tip is discover a new passion and turn it into a career. And the third tip was don't be content, always be looking to evolve. And you kind of, that's exactly what you said, but just to really hone in on those three tips. And it's great advice. And I guess that's what you did. Um, So you decided to join your wife over at Snickety Snacks. Um, and at this point, were you in love with food or were you still kind of lost? Uh, were you still looking for your passion?
1: No, you know, we, uh, my, my wife grew up in a family of eating incredibly healthy back at the old co-ops before uh, grocery stores like Whole Foods existed. And she taught me, you know, I, I grew up in a world that, you know, and I think this is so indicative of the shift in the way people are eating is we just didn't know, uh, you know, grew up in an era of TV dinners and, and fast food and, I didn't understand the ramifications like we do now. And, uh, you know, to her credit and her family's credit, they were definitely uh, ahead of the curve. And she taught me how to turn over my barbecue sauce bottle and see the high fructose corn syrup and understand the ingredients that I was actually putting in my own body and really taught me uh, and got me more appreciating about uh, where our food came from and, and what I was consuming. And uh, that really uh, um, stoked a passion in me in that I, I had a, a real strong feeling that this is something that I wanted to get up and uh, and work towards every day is to bring that awareness to others and, and really help and change the way people eat for the better.
0: Okay. So how are you doing that at Snickety Snacks?
1: Sure. They, it was, uh, it's, uh, it's still, you can get it in uh, your local grocery store. It's uh, uh, snack foods in the, in the snack aisle that are better for you, better ingredients, clean label ingredients, uh, better nutrition profile uh, at the time uh, we had just had our our first child and was on the way and um, we have three children now and uh, you know my wife really wanted to uh, be able to have uh, healthy but but tasty and fun snacks uh, for k- kids to eat uh, unlike uh, what was currently out in the marketplace.
0: okay, so at this point of your life, would you say you were more fulfilled than you were previously as a equity trader?
1: Yeah, it was fun rather than feeling like a kind of a cog in a machine. We felt like uh, really getting up to create and build something and, and grow uh, not just the business, but uh, create uh, jobs for our team members in that company and, and really solve a problem for parents. Uh, so it, it really was uh, much more fun to wake up every day and, and go create something rather than feeling like, uh, you know, again, uh, uh, time to make the donuts in a sense and just yeah. being a cog in a machine yeah
0: so at this point of your life would you say you had found what you were, what you wanted to do for the rest of your life or were you still searching and was this being a part of this company kind of uh your way of just getting away from what you know you didn't like
1: yeah i think it was kind of a, a stepping stone towards where i am now certainly i mean that's obviously how it's how it's turned out but uh i, I was passionate about it but it became a function of me leaving my career really to help my wife's business that had started to get some, some pretty fast traction. And okay. so it was a little bit more out of necessity uh, versus where I eventually ended up at, which was truly out of, uh, you know, initiated out of the passion for what I believed in in Kava. And, you know, it was a great learning experience for me in the entrepreneurial world and certainly helped me to gain even greater appreciation for the passions that, uh, had been stoked with healthy eating and uh, our food uh, supply chain and sourcing and, and things to that effect. So, um, you know, helping her build that business and then uh, what I learned during that time really helped to crystallize for me where I wanted to go beyond that.
0: Okay. So it was around this time, uh, or not too long after, I think you, you joined her in 2006, correct? Uh, correct. And in 2008 is when you cross paths with the Meze Kava guys or Kava, sorry, Kava Meze guys. Uh, t- take us through that uh, interaction and, and how you came on board that partnership. Yeah, how did that start?
1: Yeah, it's, it's life's great journey. Um, a woman who I went to college with said uh called me one day and said you need to talk to my cousin they have this restaurant have you ever heard of it kava i said yeah i've heard of it and they they uh started selling uh their products that were their dips and spreads that they serve in the restaurants that are, are in their restaurant. That's really popular and uh they're having a little trouble with that business and i know that you you have experience in in grocery can you talk to my cousin and that wound up being my partner Ted. you know christos and so I met with Ted and, and then eventually met with, with Ike and Chef Dimitri. And uh, the guys asked me to come help them uh, with the grocery side of the business. And at the time, uh, we had actually uh, taken on a, a private equity investor in my wife's business and had been recruiting a gentleman to take over my day-to-day duties that had had a lot of great industry experience with manufacturing facilities uh, to take over the operations component. And so I, I had started to kind of think about what I wanted to do next on my own. And uh, I initially came on board to consult with the guys and we hit it off. We actually, we didn't know each other when we were younger, but we all grew up in the same general area uh, in a suburb of D.C. So we're all Montgomery County kids uh, outside Washington, D.C. And I just hit it off and had a, uh, a really like-minded philosophy on what we wanted to do uh, through food and how we wanted to bring it to a larger audience. And they asked me to come on board full-time with all their KABA businesses. And at the time, they had just opened their second full-service restaurant. We were in about, you know, eight to 10 grocery stores. And I said to Chef, I said, have you ever thought about taking what we do in the full-service uh, uh, format and, and in grocery stores and putting it in this fast health-based format? When I worked in office buildings, I was always a consumer of kind of the fast lunch and looking for higher quality options. And, uh, chef said, you know, I've actually got this grill menu, this kind of fast Kava menu. And, uh, it was a little bit, uh, more street food oriented. And he's like, I love the health aspect. Let's, uh, let's, let's really dive into this. So we spent about a year figuring out how, uh, the full service food and ingredients would translate into a fast format without sacrificing quality. And, uh, the rest is history. Uh, that was, uh, we opened our first fast format in 2011, January of 2011. So that's six and a half years old. The original full service restaurant is over 10 years old now. And we stand today at five full service restaurants and 34 of our, our Kava restaurants, our fast format and, uh, in a couple hundred grocery stores. So it's been a, and it's been an amazing ride and a, a credit to all the people that have joined us along the way to help us continue to, to bring Kava Uh, and and fuel full lives uh, in more and more neighborhoods and communities.
0: Awesome. I want to come back to what that transition was like and how you transitioned and what advice you have for making a transition like that. But I also want to talk about the role you played in helping them bring their product to the grocery store, to the retail space. So before you came on board, before you started advising them, uh, what were they struggling with? What did the situation look like?
1: Yeah, well, gro- grocery is a completely different animal than, uh, than restaurants, and it's a, it's a really challenging industry. It can be a very costly industry and uh, uh, tight margin industry, and um, producing your own product is very cost and labor intensive. So really having a detail-oriented operation and having all the cost details and building a sustainable cost of goods that can translate into a, a price on a grocery shelf that's still attractive to a consumer and accessible for a consumer. Uh, there's there's a tremendous amount that goes into that. And uh, it's a very different operational function than restaurants. I mean, even today within our business, we have a different operational leader for our manufacturing um, and distribution business on the grocery side than our restaurant uh, business. So we have kind of two different operational leaders because they're very different, Uh, types of operational functions. So it's very challenging when when you're young entrepreneurs and you have one or two restaurants to then switch gears and uh, create a different operational business like uh, manufacturing and distribution.
0: So a couple things to take out of that. First, uh, if you want to break out of what you normally do, say if you're normally a full service restaurant and you want to get into grocery, it's a totally different beast get an expert, get somebody who's familiar with that area. (laughs) And that same philosophy sounds like it can apply to full service and then fast casual too. So you have two different leaders on, in those two different segments. Is that what I heard correctly?
1: Yeah. 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 And and I think it's a great point is, and it's, it's something a philosophy we really believe in. It's the team and it's the talent you bring on around you. Uh, It takes a village in the restaurant industry and, and certainly uh, in grocery as well. So uh, we're as good as the talent that, that we bring on to help us grow. Uh, and, and it is a very um, specific expertise within the different formats and, and operations. And even uh, translating the food from a full-service environment to a, to a fast format, those are very different operational um, types of execution in the way the food's prepared, in the way the food's served, and even the, the business model. Um, the, the types of volume you need to do or the, your check, right? Your your check average is very different in a fast format than a full service format. You have a different labor structure. Um, you're doing made to order in our full service restaurants versus an assembly line format in our fast.
0: I want uh, to get to that restaurants. I want to get yeah. to that. I really do. But I feel like before we dive into the, how that transition went down, what key things you did to make it all happen, uh before we move away from grocery, for somebody right now who's listening to this, who has an awesome product, uh, who wants to get another channel of revenue, who's considering moving to retail, what advice do you have for them? Just like a couple bullets you can list that will help point them in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I think you know one of the one of the best things to do to start off would be to go to a trade show. Go to if it's in the natural products world, like Expo West, and and walk the show and understand what the world is like and what. Uh, is out there, retailers, uh, network, make contacts, just have a, a clear understanding. You, you can't ever do enough due diligence on as you look to enter a new industry or a new market or, or a new uh, business channel. And so I think really getting an understanding of what the world looks like because there's so many things in the grocery world that you'll deal with, like margin uh, and transportation, uh, getting your product to a distribution center or dealing with distributors that you simply don't do when you're just receiving product at your back door as a restaurant. So really understanding and learning that before you kind of take that leap into it. And then there's two different paths you can go within uh, food production. You can produce the product yourself like we do, which can be more capital intensive, but you can have more control of the product, Uh, or you can use what's called a co-packer. And a lot of brands you see on the shelf today are produced by co-packers and so what that kind of means is the brand it does all of the marketing and r&d and develops the formulation but then they outsource the production the manufacturing to a co-packer because co-packers are experts in manufacturing so they may be able to do it uh, more cost effectively and certainly it's less uh, capital intensive so uh So it's really understanding from the start uh, what's the right path for you and what are your aspirations Uh, as a food producer.
0: So the overarching advice I'm getting is if you're really considering moving to retail or going onto the grocery store shelves, look into uh, what co-packers you have in your community, because this is going to be uh, another full-time job and you need to outsource some or do your research, outsource these types of things. And it sounds like the co-packer kind of handles the five Ps, the production, the the promotion, packaging, uh, pricing, and they, they kind of take over that thing they kind of coach you through it and do it.
1: Yeah. It's a bit more turnkey solution. I mean, you, you handle the promotion, the marketing on your end, but you're right. A lot of the, they can do all the sourcing for you, the manufacturing, obviously the labor, the food safety, you know, it's, mm. it's a huge uh, thing when you're running a food production facility, I mean, not only restaurants and, and it's certainly becoming even, uh, more magnified at restaurants, but, you know, food production, a food production facility, you're held to extremely high food safety standards and health, uh, quality inspections and, uh, things like requiring metal detectors and, uh, swab testing and all of these different things that you don't necessarily come across in a restaurant environment. So that can, in a sense, be, uh, that, that expense and that, challenge can be offloaded to a co-packer if uh, you're basically outsourcing all that to them. And so how, it's, an, it's an easier way to get started in the industry.
0: How's that pricing structure work? Do you give them a percentage or is it a flat rate? How's sure. that
1: work? Yeah, you usually, they, they, they take a, a fee, a percentage fee, a markup uh, on the product. And that's that's the, the flip side is if you're producing it yourself, you may be able to control your cost structure uh, a, a little bit better because you're you're not you're not paying somebody to produce the product for you. But at the same time, you're taking on a lot of other challenges and and, um, expense commitments with uh, the actual physical facility if you're running it yourself. So there's pros and cons to both, and I think that's the point is you need to understand uh, what your goals are and then how those two different approaches can can support ultimately the goal you're trying to reach.
0: So did you choose to go to a uh, co-packer or did you do it on your own? Uh, Well, it's
1: interesting. So my wife's company, we utilize co-packers and there's, there's, there's different co-packers for different products. Uh, co-packers tend to be pretty specialized, but you can use multiple co-packers for different product lines or different products within a product line. Now at, at Kava, we produce the products ourselves. We have a, uh, uh, large production kitchen in Maryland for our East coast distribution. And we have a smaller production kitchen in Culver City, California for our West Coast distribution. We're now in 25 Whole Foods in Southern California so that we can be producing the product uh, in close proximity to the uh, grocery stores that we're selling it in. And so ultimately the customer is getting a, a really fresh product and we're mitigating our environmental footprint.
0: Awesome. Okay. So thank you for diving into that. And now let's go back to uh, where I cut you off, where you started talking about, about this transition, uh, from mm-hmm. being a full service to what you call fast format. Real quick, before we dive into that, I've got to know why, why do you stay away from fast casual? What is it about the words fast casual that well, you would like, like to avoid?
1: <laughs> well, we actually called our chef casual, you know, chef, uh, chef, chef Dimitri's term, uh, because I, I just think it's this, uh, term that's been overused in recent times where uh, there's so many different layers and hybrids of service formats now between what we grew up, or at least I'm, I'm Gen X, what what I grew up with as traditional fast food and full service dining as we know it. So I don't know that there's one term that's really applicable for what we do. And uh, our whole idea is really bringing the quality of what we do in a full service environment. Uh, to time-conscious, budget-conscious, uh, taste-conscious, and health-conscious consumers, awesome. and so our 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 kava restaurants allow that accessibility uh, for an on-the-go consumer.
0: Yeah, and I really want to dive into this because the way I see it, I mean, there are so many people struggling with labor expenses, and it seems like the uh, fast casual, or in this case, the fast format. Uh, way of operating is going to be almost the only way you'll be able to make a profit in the future because of how hard it's getting with staffing. Um, And there's a lot of operational benefits to having a fast format or fast casual concept in the sense that you can train somebody to do one thing. And there's a a lot less moving parts. Uh, It's much more trainable. It's much more automated and you can get people on board. That, that onboarding process is much more streamlined. And then there's a bunch of benefits to it uh, that really make an impact on the you know, operational expenses. But a lot of people are going to be going to this model. So I really want to dive into how, how, you, tra- like how you go through that transition. The key things we need to consider uh, when making that transition. Because I think a lot of people listening might make that transition.
1: Yeah, I think to your point, it's, it's exactly right, is that with, with um, you know, the labor and real estate cost increases on the business side, and then with consumers eating out more than ever away from home, short on time, dual income families, but can't necessarily for, afford the expense of a full dining, uh, full service experience, uh, that's why you're seeing this growth in these limited service formats. Uh, because I think it it can um, really address all of those challenges that have yeah. been rising up. And so for us, the, the, the key has always been staying true to the heritage of the guys and uh, the roots of our brand and uh, bringing really high quality culinary uh, to a consumer at an affordable, accessible price. Uh, and that they can come in and maybe they used to go to a full service uh, restaurant on a Saturday or Sunday evening and, um, now they take their family to a kava, and uh, they don't have that waitstaff component, but it's still a, a great uh, ambiance uh, in our restaurants and high quality food. And they're saving 20, 30, 40% on their meal. So um, as long as we're really addressing that need and creating a great value proposition and uh, amazing food uh, that they can walk in, Uh, not sacrifice taste or fulfillment and walk out having eaten better and feeling like they ate better, uh, they're going to come back to us.
0: Yeah. So I think what I'm hearing right now, the big thing is uh, staying true to that original brand. You don't want to dilute the brand when making that transition. You don't want to lower the quality. You want to stay true to who you are, but how do you, as far as operationally go, like when we're talking about operations, what key Mm -hmm. things do we need to take into consider to make that transition?
1: Uh, keep it simple. Uh, I think you can easily get into menu creep, uh, trying to be all things to all people. So that goes back to having a true defined voice and uh, what you want to be known for and what you want to be really strong at. And so then that leads to very, very straightforward operations. I mean, when we are um, growing, you know, we're 34 restaurants now to maintain food prep, food cook consistency, great service, great hospitality, we have to empower our team members at the restaurant level with the tools to succeed. And so if we try and make things too complex, that's gonna show up in in, uh, challenges for the team to execute uh, to our standards. And another way we do it is through our um, our benefits and our wages. Uh, last year we, we raised our starting wage across all restaurants to $13 an hour, regardless of the state, even in Virginia, where minimum wage is down at the national level at like 725. Uh, so we're a $13 starting wage as well as, uh, enhanced paid sick leave, paid parental leave. We do something called community leave where, uh, an hourly worker can take a shift off a year to work on a philanthropic effort that they're passionate about in the community uh we uh, do team uh, building events and promotional opportunities and make sure that we're creating career paths so that our team members are looking at kava as a lifestyle not a paycheck and i think that's really important because if if we're empowering our restaurant team members there's a much higher chance that uh they're going to execute To the standards and quality that we're trying to put forth.
0: I love it. And I definitely want to come back to culture because that's one of the big reasons why Chris Schultz said, you got to talk to Brett, uh, their culture over there, what they're doing is amazing. And you're going to, you're going to offer a ton of value on that topic. I know you are, but, uh, can you give us an example, go deeper on this concept Mm -hmm. of keeping it simple? Uh, Mm -hmm. how was there a time where, where you wanted to to do something, uh, during this transition that might have been too complex. And how did you simplify that to be able to keep that standard, but also to make it easy, to make it simple, and to still have that high standard?
1: Yeah, it was uh, It was even with our fresh juices that, that, that we rolled out that we make in-house every day. And the way we were, uh, the number of steps it was taking to produce the juices, we were able to, to then take out three steps and cut it down. Uh, and our, it improved our labor costs. It improved the consistency of the juices and improved, um, across the board where they were too complex to make. And we were able to work with chefs and reduce it down to where we didn't lose quality, but we just simply, just simply simplified the process. And, and it's amazing because y- you actually don't realize when you're starting out, um, how important it is in timing each of these prep processes and understanding how that can really add up over time if you're making it too complex. And then it, it just leads to inconsistent um, end product. So I think really trying to limit the number of steps we take to prep any product um, and kind of put it through that that filter test when we're doing R&D is important. Um, you know, we used to create things that we liked a lot and didn't think so much Uh, in detail about the prep side and, and how long it would take to make each of those products. So now we really filter it through that lens. And I think that's helped us not only with our pace of, of R and D, but uh, to create items that are successful, not only from a, from a P and L standpoint, but from a uh, team member execution standpoint.
0: And what about uh, the, the whole idea of keeping the menu simple in the sense that you don't necessarily have to offer the world. Like, you can keep your menu small and that alone how how much does that impact keeping it simple
1: yeah so i you just think of from a from a business side about your are sourcing less ingredients so there's less potential for waste uh less complexity in ordering on the back end and then on the front end uh it was our whole philosophy with the assembly line format and Kind of a, a, a limited amount of ingredients, but a lot of options within those agree, ingredients is that uh, you know our guests can be overwhelmed if they have too many choices, and then that relates to how fast we're able to have throughput and in some of these higher rent areas uh, you you simply have to think about how many people can can I actually serve in peak lunchtime, and is that supportive of our rent factors? I think that's something that gets lost is. Uh, you you look at real estate and you say, hey, I want to I want to get to a neighborhood that's busy and open in an area that I'm going to be busy. That's great, but then you can actually have an issue where you can't serve enough people at lunch in what you need at the prices you're you're serving you're, you're selling your meals at to support your ultimate business goals. Okay. So having having less complexity on your menu not only helps operationally but it helps the guest experience to be able to understand what they want and uh, have a focused menu for success for, for their experience.
0: Is this throughput? You mentioned the words throughput. I'm not familiar with that word. Is yeah. that being able to serve <laughs> people quickly? Yes, it is. Okay. And, and we, we
1: like to say, we like to say, we, we, we work with our team to say uh, fast enough. We don't want to go too fast where you feel like you're being rushed or uh, it's, it's not a great experience because you're just being pushed through the line. But at the same time, when we get lines that are out the door, we don't want people walking away feeling that they're going to have to wait too long to get their meal. So it's really understanding that we don't have too many decision points on our menu that inhibits the ability of, of uh, people to get their favorite Cabo meal and they have to go somewhere else because the line's too long.
0: Beautiful. So I'm going to try to summarize a few key takeaways on this transition and how to make it happen. Uh, Staying true to your brand. Don't lose focus of your brand. Keep it simple, straightforward, uh, get creative, stay open-minded, uh, Think outside the box on how you can keep that high quality but make it streamlined. Uh, empower your team by making it simple. Uh, and then also fast enough, which is that idea of uh, you don't want to sacrifice service for just the sake of moving people through the uh, assembly line, I guess. Um, anything else that I, I might have missed or you want to add on to that before we move on to this idea of how culture uh, in empowering your, your employees ties into culture?
1: No, I think it's a great summary. I think there's a reason that uh, our industry has one of the highest failure rates is that there's a really uh, low barrier for entry. Uh, it's, it's not hard to open a restaurant or get into the restaurant business, but it's an incredibly high bar for execution. Mm. And, and that's where operations comes in and the simplicity factor comes in is that if you want to be able to execute uh, to the level that's required in today's world with as you pointed out earlier, rising labor costs and what we talked about on the real estate side—you uh, have to be able to have high execution. And I think what you just fleshed out, you know, kind of recap what I was talking about, um, really puts you in a position to to succeed.
0: Awesome. Um, okay, so let's kind of transition to this topic of culture, and you mentioned that. The, just the power of empowering your, your employees by allowing them to volunteer with something they're passionate about, giving them high pay and really just focusing on that uh, mental health. Uh, dive into how you guys have such an incredible culture and what the, the key elements of that are.
1: Yeah. And I'm going Chris uh, at, at mod and, and Scott and the team over there that Chris connected us, uh, big fans of what they do on the culture front. Uh, I think they're another, another brand that's doing the right things, uh, with their team. Uh, I, I think I said in an article a while back, we're an HR company that serves food. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not me. I'm talking to you right now, but our team members are getting ready for, for lunch service and they're the ones serving and, and cooking and prepping the food every day. So if they're not feeling as empowered as I am or as unstoppable as I am, uh, then they're not, they're not going to succeed in, in what our ultimate goals are. So, we want to make sure that they feel, again, you know, my partner Ted says, Kava is a culture, not a concept. And so that goes back to that, uh, our team members feeling it's a lifestyle, not a paycheck. And we want them to understand that, um, I like to tell them that they control their own destiny, uh, that they come in, they succeed. This is a meritocracy, that if they have great success, they're going to create growth for, for Kava as a as a company. And that's going to require us to hire more people and to grow and to give people like them more responsibility. And mm. we've seen so many examples of that. And that's really the fun for me. That, that's what's been the most rewarding thing for me. When I go back and think about my finance days where I wasn't feeling fulfilled and I wasn't feeling, uh, you know, what was I doing? Uh, what was I creating? Uh, you know, to see now we, we just crossed over a thousand team members last week and to see the growth of so many of our team members. And we celebrate their five and six year anniversaries that have now come up uh, that's been an amazing uh, experience and, and an amazing path to see. And that's the lifeblood of our business. Um, it's a, we're, we're in the hospitality business. We're not in the restaurant business. We're in the hospitality business. And that requires human interaction and service. As much as we believe in technology and in our investing in digital properties, um, our team members are at the core of our soul. And so if we are not putting the tools in place and the support in place, to make them succeed, then, then we're failing. And we do it beyond the, the headline pay number. You know, we we have our $13 an hour starting wage, but uh, I talked about the added benefits like community leave. Uh, they get a free meal every shift, which can add up over the course of a year. Um, we do team building events. We do video learning. Uh, we have a video learning management system that's not just uh, videos about how to prep Kava food or serve it. It's videos about um, interpersonal communication, personal finance, because we want to enhance not just their skills within our four walls, but uh, their skills outside the four walls of our restaurant, because if we can make them better people, uh, that's going to come back to us. And whether that can be through uh, promotional opportunities within our business, or if that can afford them uh, a better opportunity that that we don't currently have at another business, uh, that's just going to pay us back in the long run.
0: Oh man, I am loving what you're sharing with us right now. And I think I have the the title of today's uh, episode, which is going to be create a culture, not a concept with Brett Sherman. Yeah. And that's just great. <laughs> and I love this whole idea of being HR first, because here's the thing, guys, the, this industry is getting so incredibly competitive and the restaurants that are going to rise to the top in be the most successful are the ones that are going to take care of their people the best because there's a huge shortage of people and people are going to go to the jobs where they can have their higher needs being met, uh, personal growth, being loved, being a part of something greater, finding self actualization, uh, and that's mm-hmm. where the magic is. And man, you just it, it brings me back to uh, oh man, it's my company too, and it's killing me that I can't think of this guy's. Hold on. His book's behind me. He's been on the show. I'm having a brain fart. Hold on. Okay. My Company 2 by Tom Walter. Sorry, Tom, if you're listening to this, don't take it personally. (laughs) Um, He says the key to developing that amazing culture is creating a company that's an, an entangled company that's transformative, not transactional. In too many restaurants today are transactional with their employees. I give you a paycheck, you show up to work, and that's where it stops. Yep. You need to transform yep. these people. Give them the skills to make it to the next level. All the things that you just shared with us, that's transforming somebody, empowering them, teaching them, enabling them, teaching them how to be good human beings. I'm on a rant right now. You just got me so jacked up, man. This is awesome. I love
1: it. I love it. I mean that's look, I, I am <laughs> where I
0: am, right? It's I wasn't I, I
1: was getting a really good paycheck, but it was just a paycheck. And it was a means to an end, and it wasn't. You know, life's what am short. I doing here? We're yeah, life's too short. We're only here once, right? So what am I? What am I doing? Right? What am I con- contributing to the world? And uh, so I've tried to really breed that philosophy throughout what we do here, and and help that um, with every one of our team members. And you see it. You, you, you see the excitement. Uh, there's nothing more rewarding when I get a text from somebody that I know, or or somebody a business contact I meet, and they're like, you know, I. The amazing thing is when I walk into your restaurant, your, your team just exudes that they're happy um, because there's nothing that would hurt me worse is that somebody says, you know, your, your team members look like they're, they really don't want to be there, that they're miserable. And, and that's it. Like we want our team happy. We want them enjoying what they do and not hitting that snooze button on Monday morning.
0: Yeah, I love it. Uh, so usually, uh, this podcast focuses on independent restaurant concepts uh, I, I, because I feel like that's where most of the soul is in this industry. No offense. So I want to ask yeah. you, how well, we, have... We,
1: we were. We we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we started as independent restaurants, right?
0: Which, which brings me to my next question. How do you grow and maintain that soul, that mojo, that thing that made you special? Because every time this is my personal belief, every time you recreate something, you're diluting that original thing just a little bit, but you are one of those, uh, multi-unit concepts that, or cultures, I should say multi-unit cultures that, uh, has kept their soul. So what's the secret to keeping your soul?
1: Yeah, it's the, it's, it's our biggest challenge right now. It's, how, how do you scale while maintaining our, our tight-knit culture? And and we work every day at it. And we, we think about it. We work with our you know, director of people and culture and understanding that how do we maintain our, our five values, positivity, thoughtfulness, transparency, humility, and fanaticism on a daily basis. And it's really ensuring that as I get further from each restaurant or there's more just simply as a function of the growth of our organization, there's more uh, maybe potentially layers or people between us and that last person on Sunday night, that every person is in alignment with our philosophy and what we're trying to put forth and doing it through those team building events, through recognition shout outs. We do a lot of fun things on the recognition front. Um, so people understand how appreciated they are for the work that they're contributing and, and made and, and ensuring the connectivity, um, having the retreats and having, um, uh, forms of communication that are making sure that even though we're getting uh, over a thousand people, that we still have that same human and social interaction that we did when we were we were 10 and 50 people uh, team members. So uh, it's a, it's a never ending effort and it's something that you got to be completely committed to every single day or it can 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 slide away very easily
0: beautiful uh man we're i i just i could go all day we've got to bring it to the next question or else uh mm-hmm. we'll run out of time and i don't want that to happen <laughs> um before we go to the speed round real quick share a time with us that you failed uh where your group made a wrong decision uh take us through that failure and how how you're better because of it today
1: yeah it's funny my my wife still gives me a hard time about it she, she jokes that i would whine every night about it i'd cry about it to her <laughs> and, uh <laughs> You know, our second location, uh, our first location got off to a pretty good start and it was doing, doing well. And, uh, I picked the second location in a shopping center that was a little bit off the beaten path, but we thought had a, had a lot of good attributes and aspects to it of parking and access and things like that. And, uh, we opened our doors and thought we were going to get people lining up, you know, people coming in, like we did our first restaurant, it was tumbleweeds (laughs) and I was like, I was like, "Oh no, I made a mistake. I picked the wrong real estate. We're, you know, a uh, uh, hundred yards from success, and uh, nobody sees us down this little part." And uh, it taught us a really good lesson. Uh, at the time, it, w- it was me and the guys, and we had we had one other kind of you know you call him corporate employee, uh, the guy that that uh, our director of operations. And um, we got together, we huddled up, and and rather than sit around and, and dwell on the negative and cry about it, we said uh, we're, we just game plan how we were going to overcome it and not let it be a failure. And we crafted a plan, we we put on our running shoes. We got out in the community uh, and through pretty much sheer will and determination, we made that location a success. Uh, and it was amazing. And I think it was kind of, you know, four months after that is when we knew that we had something, is that the the growth from that point to four months later and when there were, you know, three or four people in line at lunch, and then four months later, there were literally 40 or 50 people in line uh, out the door, uh, we knew we had found uh, something special that we just had to get out there and, and make people aware of it because it's a big world. And we're just not, no matter how many restaurants we open, we're not so great that uh, we can just expect people to walk in our door.
0: Give us some actionable advice. How, how do we get out there? What things did you do to get out there? Well, one
1: thing we did, which, which was, uh, which has been really great, which kind of uh, dovetails with our, our ethos and our values is we did a community day. So marketing, you know, there's all different ways you can market and spread awareness. I think through social media today is a great low, low cost effective way to help spread the word about what you're doing. And, um, certainly many people in the community today are, are looking to their social circles for, uh, recommendations and, and for, you know, stamps of approval. So the, the more passionate uh, customers you can get on board to help spread the word is still a, a great, effective way. Uh, but what we did at that second location is we had what what is now something we do at every restaurant opening, and we've done uh, at every restaurant opening since, and we have a community day. And this was something that the guys brought up and we talked about that, uh, you know, in, in their culture and in my culture, uh, when we growing up, when, when somebody moved into the community, uh, we invited them over for dinner. We brought food over to them. Uh, you know, food is still a social visceral experience, and you break bread with people. And it's a great way to introduce uh, ourselves to the community or uh, welcome new people to the community. So what we do is a community day where we serve uh, a free lunch service. We just did this yesterday at our 34th location. The line was was amazing. People waiting for two hours for a meal, but they're excited about it, and they appreciate uh, a free meal that we offer, and then we uh, suggest donations. You're not obligated, but we accept donations on behalf of our philanthropic partner, which is typically a learning garden. We work with everyone from City Blossoms in D.C., Tricycle Gardens in Richmond, uh, Grow to Learn in New York, and um, uh, uh, other uh, learning gardens. So um, Garden School Foundation in, in Los Angeles in Southern California is the one we work with out there. So uh, it's it's a win-win. It's a, a great way to introduce ourselves to the community. It creates tremendous awareness and, and buzz and conversation. Uh, people appreciate it. It's a way for us to break bread and introduce ourselves with them. And then we're able to raise money for our philanthropic partner and, and uh, use food as a force for good.
0: Do good. Make an impact. Uh, There's so many things you can do just to influence people with positive energy. uh, And that's what I'm hearing from you. Awesome stuff. So we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. We've all been there. I'm sure you have been uh, just going through that stack of menus every night, pulling out the nasty soiled expensive pieces of paper putting them aside throwing them away god it's so frustrating this is a line item that just gets the best of us it destroys our budget and people are so freaking dirty it's like ah Anyway, what if I told you that I discovered a piece of paper that's rip-proof and waterproof, 100% rip-proof and waterproof? This stuff is so durable, it's what the military uses to print their navigational maps and charts on. Like They trust this stuff, and now they're printing menus on it. Head over to teraslatepaper.com to learn more. Guys, I'm telling you, this stuff is durable. I've seen the owner, Kyle Ewing, Throw this menu through a dishwasher to prove its durability. Again, com. That's T-E-R-R-A-S-L-A-T-E-Paper.com. And if you use promotional code UNSTOPPABLE, you will save 15% on your first order. Get after it. Yo guys, so if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely a restaurant or bar owner who wants to be a better leader, who wants to make more money, who wants to be more successful, who wants to work smarter, not harder, and you just want to be great, which means you know you can never stop educating yourself. If that sounds like you and you want to learn how to attract more new customers and get a competitive edge over your competition, sounds pretty good, right? Then you need to listen to this message. You got to listen. Just ready for it. Here it is. Leading industry expert, Nick Fossberg and past guests of Restaurant Unstoppable, wrote what I believe to be the best how-to book on attracting new customers and creating highly profitable promotions on a shoestring budget. And because you're Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, he's going to give you this book not for $30 dollars on Amazon, but you're getting it for free. Yeah free. Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy. Again, that's freebrsbook.com. Get your free copy while supplies last. All right, we're back. The first question I have for you, Brett, is what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success.
1: I, I think it's my persistence. I think it goes back to what I was just talking about with that challenge of our second location. It was just being persistent that we weren't going to let it fail, mm. uh, that we can overcome any obstacle and we're not going to let any hurdles
0: stand in our way. Awesome. And what is your biggest weakness?
1: It's a little bit that too. It can be my strength and my weakness, <laughs> a little bit my drive. I, I go a hundred miles an hour most days and I really work to be a little bit more self aware of that because what it can do is it can cause, it can cause me to fly past some important moments of recognition. So a little bit, uh, stop and smell the roses once in a while and make sure I do that.
0: Beautiful. And, uh, what is one advice you have on leadership or leading others?
1: Yeah, I think it's emotional intelligence. I think it's really, uh, understanding and improving your emotional intelligence so that you can understand that every team member may be wired differently and can require nuanced communication to effectively lead. Uh, Every person's different. Everybody's wired differently. Everybody responds to criticism and recognition differently. So it's really understanding how you can personalize and craft your leadership communication to each of your people on your team to most effectively lead them.
0: Emotional intelligence is huge. This is a people industry you got to be good at people or you will not make it and people have emotions you need to understand how the brain works <laughs> right. uh there's a great That's book right. out there that uh Daniel Goleman who is the author of a, a few books but he wrote uh, social and emotional intelligence which are two books that should be on the shelf of every restaurant operator and owner out there great stuff um all right the next question What is one thing you're looking for or question you're asking during the interview process?
1: Yeah, this is something that uh, our director of brand and innovation uh, actually brought up early in an interview. She was, she was the second member of our support center team to join outside me and the guys. And uh, I love it. We've used it ever since. And it's, what is your favorite food memory? It gives us a personal sense of where someone came from and their passion for what we do. Um, So I, I just kind of love it because it relates to our work every day. And then another one we do is uh, we ask, uh, uh, give us an example of how you've helped someone in your life. Mm. And so this can give us insight to how well a person can work on a team, how empathetic they are, and and maybe how they exhibit some leadership qualities as well.
0: Beautiful. I love it. And what is a current challenge right now?
1: So I, I mentioned it a little while ago. It, it's scaling, right? It's, it's, uh, how do we uh, accelerate our growth while maintaining that tight-knit entrepreneurial culture uh, as our team grows exponentially? And that's uh, really working hard every day and being committed to empowering our team members, uh, staying true to our values of positivity, thoughtfulness, transparency, humility, and fanaticism. Uh, so it's working with people and culture and redoubling our efforts to put things in place that uh, keep everyone aligned with our mission.
0: Yeah, and you're talking a lot about uh scaling culture and not losing that essence, keeping that mojo. But a lot of people listening to this aren't uh transitioning from their 34th to their 35th restaurant. They're <laughs> transitioning from their, you know, second or third restaurant or maybe even their first restaurant to their second restaurant. So, what advice do you have on those early those the earlier stages, like the the operational stages or the operational advice on growth or scaling?
1: Well, I think it's, uh, you know, it's something that, uh, Danny Meyer had said to me once, and he's the originator of enlightened hospitality. It's that you're, 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 you don't maintain culture, your culture evolves, but you want to evolve your culture to stay true to that original idea. And so it's being mindful of that and understanding that, uh, nothing stays the same. Uh, the world is not a static place and your organization isn't static. And so how do you continue to evolve and enhance what you do to make people stay connected as your degree of separation from each team member widens every step you take, every extra restaurant you open. And then it's, it's bringing on talented people, right? Like our growth is a, a direct reflection of the talent we've been able to have join Kava over the last eight years. Uh, we don't get to where we are without that. And so it's identifying people that can come in and elevate what you're currently doing and help drive your business to the next level.
0: Okay. I got another question for you. Um, mindfulness is huge. Uh, that clarity of mind is so powerful. So how do you stay mindful of why? And what's one thing that you do to, to not lose sight of that?
1: Of what's our, our mission and our what's our why?
0: You said, yeah, you you mentioned that you have to be mindful of why you started in the first place. And, uh, you know, is there something that you practice something you do a ritual you have to remind yourself of of why?
1: Well, it's, we, we worked on, we actually have, uh, we created what we call the book of Kava and uh, it's kind of our, our Bible in a sense. And, Mm. and it, it, it talks, uh, it talks about those, those five values, what the meaning is of all those five values. And then. We then, and, and also uh, has a lot of other things like our, our voice and how we want to project to our guests, how we, we view ourselves, right, as, as not only people, but as, a, as a, a business. And then we take those values and we proliferate them through all the communication on a regular basis. So at our Monday morning team huddles, um, the whoever's leading the huddle is giving an example of uh, one of the five values and how a team member uh, ex- exuded that uh, positivity or that, that thoughtfulness with a customer service situation. And so we do those touch points and recognition to help, uh, really reinforce, uh, the mindfulness and the, the why we're doing it on a regular basis.
0: Yeah. So you you have to commit this stuff to writing. You have to write it down. It has to be set in stone and it's not enough just to write it down. You have to revisit it every day, uh, and live those every day, every
1: day, you have to reinforce it. And, and it's something we learned really early on. Like we created this great book and then we didn't follow it up, uh, continuously and, Mm -hmm. and we saw it. And so, you know, you'd go in and and you'd ask a team member what thoughtfulness meant to them. And they, they, they weren't in alignment with, with, or, or they didn't weren't in alignment with each other. It meant different things to different people. And so it was really reinforcing that on a regular basis, and even when, when people come in through orientation, so when they go into the restaurants or when we have uh, off-sites or retreats or team-building events, it's constantly revisiting it. So no one loses sight of not just our values, but our, our overall mission. And it's the same thing with our mission of uh, fueling full lives through our bold food culture. Um, it's reinforcing that regularly to our team members so that no one ever forgets or loses sight of of what that is.
0: Every day <laughs> it, to the point where All it's, day, like, annoying. <laughs> like, we're like, is this still going on about value? Like, every day you have to, like, shove it down the throat yeah R- Relentless. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And, uh, okay, where do we – I kind of got – we re-railed we, we it. We got a little – Out there, I gotta reel back in. I wonder, the last question was challenge, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah, challenge. Okay, next question. Uh, What's one book we must read to become a better person or restaurant owner?
1: So I'll
0: give you two. Uh,
1: The the first is uh, is Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea, the founder of Zappos. It's an easy, it's a light, enjoyable read, but it really magnifies the impact of amazing customer experiences. You know, it's our guest first. It's our customer first. We start from there. And I think this book just, just in a really nice, easy to read, high level way magnifies how important that is and how impactful it is. And then mm-hmm. I'd follow up with, with a second book. We, we actually do a book club every month. And this is talking about empowering team members, helping to build their skills. Uh, we do a book club every other month with our GMs, operational leaders, anyone from support center, which is what we call our, our, corporate team uh, can can get the book. And this month, it's called the good job strategy. And the good job strategy is, uh, you know, looks at great companies, transformational businesses, and the idea of a lot of what I've talked about earlier and empowering and supporting your team members and how that can create great financial performance and great success for businesses. Uh, so investing in your team members through a good job strategy can help deliver that happiness that Tony Shea writes about. And we preach, happy team members equal happy guests equal a happy business.
0: I'm just checking to see if good job strategy is on Audible. It is. That's written by uh, Zeynep Tan? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Did I say <laughs> That's that That's a tough name to pronounce. Yes. Yeah. Okay so yeah. both those books are on Audible. I listened to the Happiness uh Delivering Happiness amazing book. It is on Audible. Uh head over to slash unstoppable if you are not taking advantage of the power of audiobooks. Do you listen to audiobooks? How, what do you is that something you practice? I still read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: a lot of my thesis are like, you got to you got to do the audiobooks cuz you can listen to them when you're running and doing yeah. things like that. So, yeah.
0: yeah. All right. I love audiobooks personally, but the next question is, what is one technology that you've adopted that's had a huge impact on your operation, communication, profitability, uh, anything? Uh, What is that technology?
1: Yeah. So we we love our technology. We have an in-house tech and engineering team, and we built uh, and launched our own digital ordering platform uh, that we maintain in-house. And we view this as the foundation for the future engagement with our guests. So uh, you can you can get your Kava. The idea is that uh, you can get your Kava when you want it, where you want it. Uh, we've seen huge adoption of our digital ordering through the app on your phone or through your, your laptop on our website, uh, our mobile responsive. Uh, and we are about to roll out a new group ordering functionality, and we're working on additional functionality to layer on top of that um we're doing uh, some limited delivery uh tests right now through the app so uh we we think that this foundation this digital ordering platform that we built is a is a huge uh opportunity for us in the future to uh engage with our our guests and again get them their favorite Kava meal uh, as convenient as possible
0: and did you outsource did you go to uh a third party to have them build this for you, or did you build it in-house?
1: So we worked with a third party to build the initial core product, and then they handed it off to us. And our engineers in-house now uh, have been building added features, added functionality, and they've actually built the entire group ordering uh, module themselves. So from now on, it's all in-house. But the initial core product, we partnered with a, a
0: development group on that. Okay. Can you mention the name of the development Group, in case anybody's interested, uh, it's called
1: it's, uh, yeah, called Made by Many. Made by Many. Many, yes.
0: Got it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm really curious. You mentioned earlier, and I'm not going to let us just skim over this video learning. What platform are you using to leverage video learning?
1: Yeah, we use a platform called WiseTail, and okay. it's been uh, re- really effective. I mean, it it does take some internal resources to really populate effective content because you got to you got to build all the videos, right? That mm-hmm. you're populating. On there, and so uh, designing those videos to be effective uh, can take some resources. But it's amazing, you know. We we have, we're becoming such a visual world that uh, visual learning is so much more impactful than somebody reading a manual, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we we can do role playing, we can do all different types of things, and it's it's just absorbed so much deeper than somebody reading a written word per se, and it's much more in, engaging. So you don't lose the interest of the team member as well
0: yeah it's much more engaging than the written audio or the the written manual uh and it's also automated which is really important but i a little co- like a side note it doesn't replace physical training it doesn't replace one on one training but it is a great onboarding great uh tool to you know to i guess i don't know what's the word i'm looking for last words it it
1: well it, it enhances the effectiveness yeah. of the
0: physical training yeah Awesome. Yeah. Uh, beautiful. And uh, another past, a uh, past sponsor of the show, uh, Tipsy is another platform that's probably a little bit more affordable if you're on a smaller scale. If you're a one or two concept location, that offers something very similar, uh, and they were great. And Wise Tail has been mentioned a bunch of times in the show. Awesome. Yeah. That's, awesome what think, that's, what think,
1: that's what I think. That's why I think. That's why I think so awesome for for especially like single independent operators that may not not have quite the resources that we have is. That there are some great out of the box software solutions, whether for digital ordering or for video learning management that, uh, give, empower operators and small operators with tools to act a lot bigger than, than you could, uh, you know, even five years ago. Uh, so it's, it's really encouraging what, um, is out there in the marketplace now for operators to access oh, yeah. to make themselves, uh, more effective in what they're doing, uh, at a, at a pretty reasonable cost.
0: Oh yeah. And uh, again, this is, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but th- this is episode three sixty-two. head over to restaurants, unstoppable.com slash three six two. I'll link back to both those tools, wise and tipsy plus the books that are mentioned before. And if you could go back in time, hindsight being 2020 back to 2008 and give yourself <laughs> one piece of business advice, what would it be?
1: Yeah, I try not to have any regrets and believe everything happens for a reason, even, even bad things. But, uh, I would, I would reinforce to myself the importance of building an amazing team. It's kind of like the, there's the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm. And it's just, it's just so true. It's, it's, it just gets reinforced every day to me. Uh, I, it, it's amazing when talented people join our organization and I actually, I have a unique seat. And so to feel the business accelerate when those people join us, it's pretty amazing to watch and, uh, to understand that we are where we are because of that talent. And if we want to get to where we want to go, we got to find more people like that. And Uh so I would just, I would just, uh, reinforce the importance of that as early as possible.
0: Awesome. I love it. And we're over our agreed upon time. I'm so sorry, but you're just on a roll, man. I can't stop you. You are, you are unstoppable. Uh, and I I apologize, but we're almost done. You good to go? Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, this is a new question. So you're the first person I'm trying it on out on, uh, something I'm going to be introducing to the speed round. And that is what is your, why, why do you do what you do? What impact do you hope to make on this world?
1: Well, it's, it's why I'm sitting where I am. It's that I want to be a, a productive contributor to a, a better community, a better society, and I want to help to improve the lives of those around me. And, and we, we do that. We, we talk about food being a force for good and, and we talk about fueling full lives through a, a bold food culture. We look at it a number of ways. We look at it through our own team members improving their personal and professional lives. We, we look at it as our guests improving their health improving the way they eat and we look at it from an environmental standpoint and our our farmer and grower rancher partners improving their businesses improving their sustainability and the and, and their impact on the environment so to have kava is this really positive vehicle um, that's that's our why uh, mm-hmm. that's why we do it every day and why we get up every day and it's uh, it's inspiring for our team to be able to know that uh, the mission that they're coming in to fulfill can have a really strong cause of impact on the community.
0: I love it. Those are all my questions. Is there anything I could have asked you that would have provided more value to today's conversation? Maybe something that you had hoped we would discuss that we didn't get around to.
1: Um, I don't think anything I would have hoped or, or I I feel like great questions, you know, covered, covered a wide range of topics. Maybe, where do where do we see ourselves in five years? Where 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 do we see ourselves going?
0: Where do you see yourself um, in five years? Where do you see yourself going?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know it, it's it's another thing. It's interesting. I get a lot of people uh, talk to me and, and ask about our fundraising and how we got our our investment and did we plan on that? And we we really didn't. Um, we're we're so grateful for the support of our investor partners and and to be able to have attracted that investment, but I, I think it's really keeping your head down and focusing on the mission and building something transformational, and mm. all those opportunities present themselves. They fall into place when you're doing that. And so, when we look out the next five years, we're focused on bringing Kava and and the the, the food we're uh, we're making every day and, and bringing it to more communities and neighborhoods across the country. It's so awesome when we get uh, these requests like. Please, I, I, I used to live in DC and I moved to this city and I can't live without Kava or I, 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 got it when I was in high school and now I'm in college somewhere else. You have to open in our town and it's so awesome to see that passion. And so we just want to fulfill those requests and continue to bring Kava to, to more neighborhoods, more states, uh, to different parts of the country and hopefully solve a problem for, for our fans and for our guests and, and for people that may not know us today in giving them, uh, uh, healthy, accessible food uh, in, in all different areas. Awesome.
0: You just said something that kind of shook me a little bit and I loved it. Uh, and that's the whole idea. And I, I'm so happy you mentioned this of, you know, look, don't look out for growth. Everyone, when they think of growth, they look out, look in, look at the mission and what you do and do what you do every day better. And if you just focus on going in and serving the people within your organization and m- making the lives of everybody in your organization, better opportunities will come to you. Don't go looking for opportunities, create opportunities by being truly awesome. Uh, and that's one huge it, lesson it, that I've learned.
1: It's so true. And, and people ask me, "Who's your competition. And I say ourselves, we look at, mm. you know, if we were to be a better Kava, What would we be? What would we do? Mm -hmm. And I I think it is. You look inward, focus on what you do well. Don't get distracted by by noise outside of you and and you'll build something special.
0: Beautiful. I love it. Uh, So we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. That's how I found you. Who is one restaurant operator? Somebody you admire and just believe would make a great guest mentor on the show like you've made for us today.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, of the folks at Tender Greens out, out based out in Los Angeles and Eric Ober, Oberholtzer. Oh, Oberholtzer. He was already on the show oh, and you're yeah. right. He was awesome. Oh, he was.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah er, 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 Eric's a great guy. I uh, have great respect for their commitment to culinary and sourcing and people and, uh, and the innovative ways they look to grow hydroponically even on premise at their restaurants.
0: I'll, I'll link to that episode in the show notes. And if you don't have another one on the top yeah. of the top, we'll just move on because we're over time. I don't want to take any more of your time, but I do want to give you an opportunity to uh, leave your contact information or, or maybe your website or a way we can follow to see what you're up to, to learn from you, or maybe join your team. What's the best way to connect?
1: Yeah, we, we'd love it. Uh, we'd love people that are looking for a lifestyle, not just a paycheck. They can uh, go to our website kava.com, that's dot com, and click on the career section to see a listing of uh the many openings we have today. We need some help. Uh we want people to help join uh what we're trying to build and uh please head to kava.com and the career section.
0: Awesome. I love it. Again, this is episode 362 You can head over to restaurant unstoppable.com slash 362. There'll be a summary of today's discussion, a link back to everything that was recommended. And Brett, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, to share your advice, and to be an example of somebody who's not willing to settle with the day-to-day and just getting caught up in their, you know, job, their job, but doing something that really means that makes a difference and that makes a difference and means something to you and that makes an impact on the world. Man, thank you so much for allowing me to make an example of you.
1: Well, thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me, and I I, I do feel fortunate that I've uh, been able to follow my passions and have the opportunity uh, to do it through Kava.
0: Thank you. It was a pleasure. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Cheers. Awesome episode with Brett Shulman Brett thank you so much for joining us wow that was so great man I'm jacked up after that conversation and there's a bunch of takeaways I want to go over but real quick what we did not talk about today which was kind of there um, indirectly was the idea of yeah there's a good chance you might set out down a path that's not right for you but that doesn't mean that it's the end of the game like you can't bounce back you can't get you know off that path you're on and get onto another path. And that's what Brett did. And one way you can do that is by knowing what your strengths are, knowing what unique value you bring to the world. For Brett, his value was his niche knowledge in finance and in food packaging. So he was able to provide value to a restaurant tour. And what's I guess what you need to ask yourself is if you want to break into the restaurant industry, what unique knowledge do you have? Maybe you're a marketer. Maybe you're, I don't know. Uh, maybe you're in finance, maybe whatever it is you do. The cool thing about the restaurant industry is that you need to be good at so many things to really be the best. So, There's a good chance that there's a restaurateur out there that's good at a lot of things, but not good at what you're good at. And that's kind of what happens here. Brett was really good with finance and packaging, food packaging. And he knew somebody who knew somebody who needed help with that. And it just so happens that... Brett hit it off with his business partners and there was opportunity there and but they made opportunity. So go into situations looking not what you can not to what you can get but go into opportunities looking to see what you can give. And if you can give value to somebody else, if you can be a person of value, then you might be able to break into this industry that way. And I, I loved how Brett was a perfect perfect example of that. He also had great advice on just how to get a product onto a shelf. That's something we don't talk a lot about on the show, but that's a great additional channel of revenue, retail, getting your, your product on grocery shelves. Uh, another great topic today was the whole idea of keeping it simple. Man, like one thing I've learned is that there's a huge difference between being number two in your community and being number one it could be the difference of being in business and scraping to get by in having a fulfilling lifestyle where you have extra revenue that you can live the life you want to live. So it's huge to be number one. And if you keep things simple and you focus to be the best, if you focus to be number one, whatever it is you do, then be, it's going to be much easier to become number one. So keep it simple. Uh, the other thing that I loved was the idea of fast enough quote unquote fast enough. And I think this is really cool. Not just in the way that we used it today with which the, which is the idea that when you are simplifying your concept, when you're transitioning to a full service, to a fast casual, uh, you want to keep it simple, but you don't want it to be so simple that it's too fast that it's a low touch business where you, you don't have an impact with your guests, both your inner guest and your external guests. So you want it to be fast enough where you have time to make that impact, where people, where you're making great experiences. Uh, and that idea of fast enough, I think also applies to growth and you don't want to grow so fast that you'll lose sight of what made you special in the first place. And you have, you lose that soul moving too fast, growing too fast, can cause you to become soulless. And we don't want to become soulless. We want to hang on to that soul. That soul is what makes us human. That's what attracts people onto us. So don't try to be so simple and grow so fast that there's not enough touch there. You need that high touch. You need that high impact to make it in this industry, in my opinion. Especially with how competitive things are getting. So awesome episode today. Brett Shulman. Man, just you really did just get me jacked up. I love it. Like always, guys, please do connect with me. Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Instagram and Twitter Eric Catchatory and Facebook slash restaurantunstoppable. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me the name of the guy or gal who's crushing it in your community and you know would make a great guest mentor on the show. I want to make an example of them. Or tell me what topic you want covered. Or shoot me an email or a message with your own challenges, the problems you're having. Guys, I don't have all the answers. I might have learned a lot in these 350 episodes that I've recorded, but I'm always learning new things. Uh, but, you know, So, no, I don't have all the answers. But the point I'm trying to make is, if 350 episodes recorded, I have met a lot of people if i don't have the answers i know somebody who does i'll get them on the show to answer your questions so use me as a tool as a resource to find out what you don't know i don't know the answer but i know somebody who does uh or maybe i do know the answer maybe i, I maybe i do but there's only one way to find out you got to connect with me uh and then like always guys Don't forget those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. That really helps. And if you really want to compliment me, share this podcast with somebody that can use it. And then I can't sign off without saying thank you to Jared for the great work he's doing in charge of editing and promotion. He's helping me out so much. That's it for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.